welcome to podcast 89 from the Wiggly Sofa. I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers. I'm Richard from Wiggly Wigglers. And I'm Farmer Phil, possibly from Wiggly Wigglers. You're from the farm, Farmer Phil. Oh, right, know your place. Little sulk, listener, little sulk. Because you can't see everything, can you? But that was a little sad face from Farmer Phil. Sadly, I'm not seeing much at all these days. <laughs> tennis last night didn't go much anyway. Well, you've never been any good at tennis. That's beside the point. Now I can't see the ball, it would appear. Oh! <laughs> oh, dear. That's a shame. So you're, 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 you've, got, uh, you've got poor eyesight, have you, Phil? I can't see things close to me anymore. There, I've admitted it now. You've got 20-20 vision, you oh. told me. Well, I, I, I always kidded myself I have, but I find myself looking at things further and further away. Oh, oh. dear. Eye test and an ear test for Farmer Phil, because he is as deaf as a post. Yeah, that's convenient deafness, though, Hev. Eh? Does, does the vet do eye tests? <laughs> anyway, in this week's show... Sorry about that, listener. In this week's show, we will learn how a bull is very, very good at pruning your Leylandi. We're going to find out about pickling rhubarb leaves Indeed. for aphid control. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But mainly, we've got Terry Walton on his allotment in Wales. So first off, Rich, let's hear about these rhubarb leaves. And the rhubarb leaves. Well, you, can, you always learn something new all the time. I, I fully imagine that if I went down to see Terry Walton, I'd learn a whole world of new stuff. But one thing that really inspired me is he gets his rhubarb leaves. Because they're useless, aren't they, well, rhubarb? Can't, can't what can you do with them? Poisonous. And, uh, well, yeah. uh, but you see, they're not really poisonous. In fact, that's one thing he said to me. He said, you know what? People say rhubarb leaves are poisonous, but they're not poisonous at all. Not really. You can use them for all sorts of things. So he gets his leaves and he puts them... Can in I just have that accent again? Do you think it's good? Is he yeah. Russian? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he... Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan. <laughs> So he put, gets his leaves and he puts them in a, a black bin and leaves them in, a, in a, a tub of water, this black bin of water, for a couple of weeks and the sun gets on there and warms the water up and they quite literally sort of ferment in this black bin. And he goes in there after a couple of weeks, gets the watering cans full of the stuff and pours it onto his brassicas, you know, all sorts of... pretty much anything, really, that has any sort of pest infestation. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally. It stinks like nothing you've ever smelt in your life. But the beauty of it is, is that you get a rainfall, it just washes it off, and you just reapply it. No, no, I suppose it is a chemical in a sense, but it's not an artificial, it's not a man-made chemical. So it has no harmful effects at all on the soil. In fact, it does provide some nutrient as well. Um, he uses it on his giant marrows that he grows for competitions, and I think that uh, helps keep the pests off those, and it, and it uh, stimulates the growth. And keeps everything away. Any aphid infestations, any cabbage white caterpillars, they don't want to go near it. Superb. So I'm going to try it at home, and I've never really heard of anybody having done that before. But sounds a bit like comfrey tea. I know comfrey tea's not made for the same reasons, but it, somebody said to me that that stinks to oh, high heaven. It home. absolutely reeks, completely reeks. But it's a really good, yeah, that's a really good liquid feed comfrey. I mean, it's probably the best. Do you think that the get. rhubarb leaves work because of some chemical within them, or yeah, is it definitely. is it the stink? Yeah. They, it's, it's probably that there's some chemical in them because of, often creatures are attracted to the hideous stinks or stinks that we find hideous. Yeah. The cashew liquid really chucks up. Oh, yeah, that's quite hideous. Yeah. It is, it's amazing because folks often say, how on earth can something that smells so disgusting stop my drains from smelling? Hmm. 
but of course it does because when it comes out of that anaerobic uh, environment of a bucket then it, uh, there's little microbes that are dormant kick in so it works slightly differently so of course it does work but yeah that's slightly different but I think it's all there's, there's, there's all sorts of fermentation processes going on with the, with the rhubarb leaves as just as much as the, with the bakashi so. Talking of competitions which you were <laughs> some time ago <laughs> Farmer Phil's had a big honour bestowed upon him haven't you? Has he? Yes so the other night, Rich and I entertained the Harewood End Agricultural Society for an evening of gardening and a bit of a chit-chat about the farm, didn't we? Yeah. And so yesterday, they phoned me up and invited me to judge their grass seed crop competitions, which are part of their annual crop competitions. And I forget which podcast it was, but we, we mentioned agricultural societies in one of our earlier, earliest podcasts, I think. Yeah. And, um, well, we were a little bit critical, weren't we? Well, a little bit, but Harewood End are one of the more forward-thinking ones. They they Whack. they do you know many more competitions and groups of crops and so on. So anyway, I was chuffed to bits to be invited, but yeah. then very sad to realise that I couldn't do it because I was going to a course on biodiversity and how to make the best use of it. I, so, think, that, I think that's better. There's quite a contrast between judging a, a grass seed competition and going to a, going to, to learn about biodiversity. Yeah, but there was a free meal involved with <laughs> judging the grass seed, Rich. Oh, there's no free fodder with your, your biodiversity. Doubtful. But. We're going to Bruce Gilbert, so don't know. Yeah. For all those yeah. listeners who don't know about agricultural societies, they were set up, weren't they, to progress farming at a point where we needed food. So am I not right in thinking that actually most of them are in the jolly dark ages and still thinking that farming is just about how much crop you can get off your farm? And did I not see a certain neighbour of ours spraying off all his weeds outside his property for the tidiest farmyard in the world competition? And I thought, oh no, all those nettles have gone, all that habitat's gone so that you can make it look all pristine. It is true that one of the hangovers from earlier times was this idea that you get everything pristine, tidy. And, of course, that's as much because it makes it an, an easy thing to judge. If your farmyard is totally tidy, then it ticks lots of boxes. It's easy for the judges. But a lot of societies these days have taken on board the environmental requirements of agriculture today, and there are specific competitions for ponds and wildlife strips and and management of set-aside and so on. And, and, you know, some of the more forward-thinking societies have included these. The other bit that's perhaps a little old-fashioned is the idea that the, the women all go and make cakes for competition. And so, to some extent, that's changing. But then again... There is the aspect that for those of us who like to eat the cake, that's pretty good good news, really. If the women make them. Oh, yes, let's all hop off, get our free-range eggs and make some jolly good cakes. What a marvellous idea. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, you had a good evening, did you? It was great, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very well, evening. Good evening now by all. A couple of interesting comments. There's one fella... And he uh, he said because I was talking about song thrushes and the fact that you should never use slug pellets or any sort of poisons really. But one of the reasons that song thrushes are in such massive decline is because they're kind of feasting on slugs and snails that have eaten slug pellets. Toxins build up in the body and then it's curtains. And the guy yeah, and the one guy said to me, he said you know what? My gardener told me the other day that song thrushes are just as aggressive as magpies. I said really? I said yeah. <laughs> just, I said, I said, you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. He said he was, he was adamant about it. I said, God, you know what? I've never heard, surprisingly enough, I've never heard that before. <laughs> and and uh, he said, yeah. He said, if you've got song thrushes in the garden, you won't have any small birds. 
I mean, if there's any listeners out there that have experienced this, then I'd love to hear it. I've got to say, because I, I was, you know, obviously being very diplomatic, I, I was, I, you know, I'm perfectly happy to take on board people's comments. No, you're not. I have a misguided. <laughs> well, what happened to I'm my comments then? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But the other classic. Yeah, but the, the, I mean, classic, just to get this clear, if keep. there is any listener that has ever heard of a song thrush. Could consider a song thrush as aggressive as a magpie. Yeah, we don't believe it. We'd nice, like to hear from you. Am I right in saying that song thrushes are are quite territorial? They're territorial. So that they will yeah. they will sort out any in, in, sort of immigrant song thrushes. I think yes, definitely. Yeah, they like um, their they like their singing posts, their uh, their their little singing pavilions. So they are territorial to that extent. But so far as being as aggressive as magpies mm. in that they'll attack other birds and raid their nests and you know eat the eat the youngsters and and fledglings and whatnot. I, you know, I've got to say, I think that's I've never heard anything quite as ridiculous in all my life. <laughs> Not to be disparaging, of course. Well, wasn't there that but, other thing? Oh yeah, but there was another amazing thing as well. You know, farmers, you know what they're like. And this one fellow, I was talking about worms, and I said that how, how worms can breed. And uh, I said, look, let's go back to school, guys. I'm going to take you back to school now. What sex are worms? Oh, well, they're both of them. I said, yeah, that's it, excellent, they're excellent. So they breed, they, what they do is they come together. This little fat patch here, that's about a third of the way down the worm's body, is, uh, is a saddle. Its proper name is a clitellum. What they do is fuse there, and they'll exchange little parcels of sperm. And they're all really complete. And the one old boy said, God, do you know what? He said, father told me that that little fat patch there was when you cut a worm in half and they joined up again. <laughs> I said, yeah, and he's 86 years old. So he's probably been going along for 82 years thinking that these little fat patches on every single worm, I hasten to add, are, are, the, the, are the point at which worms get chopped in half and oof, magically fused the, the together. In, in Herefordshire, there is a longish tradition of sort of telling youngsters a sort of bit of a tall story to see whether they'll yeah. take it on board. So yeah. the obvious you examples... Sure that? Oh, I, just, I think that's... I think that's... that's the, um, yeah. our, our neighbour, long-term neighbour, got sent by his father as a youngster to town to get a big bag of skyhooks to hold a sheet on a rip <laughs> yes, of straw. Skyhooks, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so he trotted off to town and went into the local agricultural <laughs> merchant who sought this straight away and went out the back and got him a big hessian sack of a load of worn out plough points and tied the neck of it and gave it to him and said there you are take that back to your dad <laughs> bag of skyhook sign here <laughs> and so there's all those rubber yeah. staples go and get a couple of post holes yeah things yeah, like that right. and it's yeah, just yeah. how far you're prepared yeah. to go yes take it in yeah but you don't want to carry it with you for 80 years <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna pick up at some point that oh no oh perhaps i was Perhaps I was wrong. All the dodgy information I got from my parents, I've, I like to think that actually I've kind of learned now that that might not be the case. Well, I just think it's wonderful that you've actually delivered some value to somebody. Yeah, talk. completely. <laughs> well, he, he's such a nice fellow, you know, such a lovely old boy, really endearing. He came out to Phil and I afterwards and he said, I've, I've got to say, thank you very much, you young fellas, for showing us around. We've had such a fantastic time. I said, Oh, that's, that's our pleasure. But by the way, I'm a lot younger than Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Are you? Oh, yeah, I am, yeah. Ten years younger than Phil. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Good God, you have more than very well, have you? What happened? <laughs> no, I'm not. How old are you, Phil? I'm six years younger, I think, am I? Six years. 43, aren't you? 
I believe I'm 43 this yeah, year. Yeah, six years in the pill. No, I might be 44, actually. He's think... 44! <laughs> he yeah. He's been lying to me, more lies. <laughs> well, time goes on, I just yeah. hadn't noticed. So, when was your birthday, then? March. How was it? We didn't give you the bumps or anything. I don't remember any celebrations for Phil's no, I'm birthday. I'm not sure there's enough of you up to giving out Perhaps I wasn't here. Was I on holiday? Was that when I was on holiday? Oh, God, they've moved on to Twaddle oh, anyway. again. Yeah, there you are. Last week's podcast, I told you to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I can't remember. Okay, so you've been on an adventure down to South Wales. Yeah, yeah. So the idea was is that you sent me off down to meet Terry Walton. It was a lovely boat. It's kind of surreal, really, because I, I've been listening to this guy on the Jeremy Vine show whenever I get the chance, especially if you're driving a car. I'm like, oh, Terry Walton comes on. And I, listen, I remember listening to him when he, when he very first started, sort of four, four years ago or so. Um, so I turned up. Went to his house, gave my directions to his house, which, which was a good thing, because I had struggled to find the allotments. And, uh, and we went and left cups of tea and biscuits and things like that, and then we had a, we had a really nice rattle about things. And then we took, he took me up to the allotments, and it's just the, it's just the allotment that you imagine, you know, this steep bank in the Rhonda Valley, all these greenhouses made of second-hand double glazing. I mean, if you, you know, if you had to buy those greenhouses, they cost you 15 grand each. You know, these guys get their greenhouses out of skips absolutely superb men after my own heart so you've got tight. all this you've got t- t- <laughs> utterly tight so you've got all these reuse initiatives made in heaven you know across this whole area and within all these little allotments and there's something like 42 different allotments on this site you've got a whole plethora of different types of veggies growing really interesting stuff right opposite terry's plot he's got his little uh, it's what's called albie's calf where his mate has got the allotment above him has this little cafe there and he's got all the tea making facilities in there and chairs inside and then chairs outside you know just in case they in case they get a bit of rain or something they have to sneak inside a uh, superb little bell that gets rung you know folks come down he did ring the bell on the recording i think so if you know they ring the bell tees up and they all go down have a rattle put the worlds to rights you know and then get back to their allotments it's just most wonderful sociable place really i mean you can see why as well he was picked to go on the uh, jeremy vine show you know he, he talks beautifully and uh, he's, he's very check it out actually very intelligent bloke and he gave me a copy of his book so that was great and i think we'll probably start we'll, we'll sell these books we can you know another another wiggly product but it's a fantastic book it's, it's all about his life but around the allotment uh, so because he's been on the allotment man and boy you know he's, he was on the allotment when he used to toddle up there after his dad and he's four years old and his old man gave him a little patch there to grow his radish and his salad and things like that same so allotment been, same allotment and at one same he, had, he, had, he had, after his soil absolutely what he does he's got a really neat way of composting as well that he showed me um, which was explained within the, in our little chat um, so that's, that's a nice little few tips there for the listener and, what, uh, did you take him a composter? I took did him a wormery. Him? The idea was I wanted to take him a wormery and some and bakashi buckets, see how he gets on with those. So what I did is we, we set up the wormery, so we chatted about what he was up to on his allotment while we were setting up the wormery. So I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. <laughs> but uh, at the time it seemed to work quite well, but it started to bucket down. It's just a, we had torrential rainfall, you know what our June's been like, flaming June. Uh, anything but flaming at the, at the, really so we had to shoot in to try and get cover in various places so Michael might have a bit of fun editing well <laughs> let's hear it now because we'll hear extracts out of the book next week when you're going to review it right. and so let's hear Ricardo roving to South Wales 
difficult queue for the January Vine show. This is yeah. it's exactly what happens out when we go live on air. We get a, a pittering pattern on the end of the phone. Yeah, it's just yeah, difficult. Just, isn't it? just big, typical. Big storm coming in from the, yeah, from the west. It's like. been fine all this time. Whenever we work in the rain. Depression. Okay. Right. Well, Terry, it's, it's brilliant to meet you. It's uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm glad I came down. I found your place really easy as well, which is with my uh, sense of direction. It's, it's pretty amazing, really. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I've got here. But we've just come. We've pulled outside the allotments here. I mean, some of the listeners are going to recognise your voice, I think, because you do many things, don't you? But one of which is featuring regularly on a Jeremy Vine show on a Friday. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm your something for the weekend, man. I mean, when, on a Friday afternoon, after all the serious issues of Jeremy Vine throughout the week, yeah, all yeah. the political broadcasts, all the serious politicians, all the bad news stuff that comes on, I lighten up the show on a Friday afternoon for the last 10 minutes so Jeremy Vine listeners can go into the weekend full of confidence, fully relaxed, <laughs> and in a happy mood. And inspired to grow some veg. Well, hopefully. I mean, that's, that was the purpose of it in the first place to get people out into the allotment to be growing their own. Yeah. And if I can achieve that in about 1% of the listeners of Jeremy Vine show, then we'd probably get another 60,000 gardeners going on allotments, which would please me no end. Right, right, can, right. People who can enjoy this hobby and enjoy this sort of life, once they got, the, once they got they started and do it, they'll thoroughly enjoy it. It's a great way of life. Fantastic. Well, yep. I should we grab hold of this? I brought you down right. a can of worms to try. Okay. And uh, well, I suppose we're going to set this thing up in this nice warm Welsh rain that we've warm got. Warm Welsh rain, it certainly is that. Here we are. We'll, we'll walk through right, this fantastic. famous gate. So this, like this is like a barracks. Huh? We, I mean, we, we kind of have had a sneaky preview of your uh, your allotment beforehand. And uh, it's the most amazing setup of, uh, you know, I've never seen reuse like it in my life. You, what, you said it looked a bit like Soweto when you were. Well, when yeah, you were I mean, we modelled this. And back in the, in, the, in the bad days of South Africa when Soweto was a major place, we looked at that and we thought this is exactly what we want our allotments to look like. I tell you we what. want it to look homely, we want it to look recycled, we want it to make full use of all the materials that came out of people's homes in these valleys. Yeah, yeah. Do, do I tell you what, the, the resemblance is uncanny. <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't look at a place in the backwaters no. of uh, South Africa. Not would at it? all, not at all. And again, one of, the, one of the beauties of the Ronda Valley is I mean, a lot of people have spent money on their homes in the last 20 years and as the skips arrive in the valley empty they park them outside the house they drip out window frames they drip out doors they put them in this skip and before the guy comes to collect them the skip is then empty and everything's in the allotments I don't know why they just don't bring them here in the first place this is the ideal resting place for these every bit of recycled material in the valleys can find a home here whether it's an old bottle to cover some seeds an old bucket in which to grow a tomato window frames bits of wood we can find a use for all that yeah yeah I think, I think you're probably right what's amazing <laughs> is, is some of those greenhouses there that are made to double glazing you know if you had to pay for a conservatory it probably cost you about 15 grand but the reality is you've, you've got them out of a skips and, yeah. uh, and you know done a good job so it's absolutely fantastic all it takes is a bit of time and a bit of sweat and toil it's all yeah, you've yeah. got a place that'll last you forever yeah yeah for sure yeah. And, and you've got a little calf opposite your uh, opposite your shed here this well, is uh, well, this is this is now probably one of the most famous places in the Ronda Valley you know right. you remember back in the day of the last of summer wine, they had the cafe there where they all met. Yeah, well, yeah. this is the equivalent on the, of the for the Ronda Valley. This is the last <laughs> of the Ronda wine, and this is a place where on days like the day when the rain starts to fall, you're driven off the plot. There's always a welcome. There's a cup of coffee waiting, yeah, and yeah. if you're lucky, there's a jammy Dodger biscuit, which makes them puts the real icing on the cake. Yeah, you were showing me there's a, there's a bell up here next to uh, just inside the door here because I, I oh, said, right. how, how do you? Uh, how do you know when the brew's you know, ready for you? And how does everybody know when you're right across the allotment? Well, I mean, if you, it's a bit difficult at the moment because the, the inner door is locked, but I mean, you listen to this. I mean, that's, 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 that's the call, that's the coffee that's call. That's the call, yeah. So everybody well, comes scuttling down the track down towards here and then, of course, you guys can all sit along here and put the worlds to rights. Well, yeah, we got we got seating for six plus the, the concrete bank in there. We've got the bob bank and we've got the grandstand. So you've got everything you want in here and we can sit there on, on a bad day. 
You can see the cafe's fully furnished. Yes. He's got a chair <laughs> and he's even, he's even got a, a decent uh, swivel yeah. chair there for the owner, yeah. Albie himself. Albie's got the best chair. He's got the swiveled fabric yellow chair there, which makes him look very, very important. Listen, which he is. It is. I think he is. I think he's, I think he's, <laughs> he's one of the main men on this He's the, he's on the key, site. key yeah. man to the yeah. site. Without him, no coffee, no yeah. break. What's, what's amazing is a few years ago, you were saying that you started off in the 1950s, taking on some of these allotments after your dad. Yep. And how many allotments were you running at the time? Well, it grew gradually. I, had, I started off my own little plot. I fought my way in and I got a plot. And I could see a potential for this. And during the 60s, as allotment gardening declined, people became affluent and they had more time, leisure time. They didn't want to spend it gardening. As every plot became vacant, I took it on. Until the end, I had a vast empire of 10 of these, which I ran as a nice little hobby, breaking all the rules of allotment gardening because you should only grow an allotment for your own use, not for sale. Yeah, sure. But in those days of the 60s, people were quite happy to let the plots go to me for that purpose. And I made a nice little empire of that. I was the, probably the Alan Sugar of the 60s on the, in the allotment field. <laughs> So you, I mean, you were the guy that initiated all these veggie box schemes that we've got going now. Sort of, you know, I mean, organic veggie box schemes are hugely popular now, aren't they? I mean, even I have one. Not in the summer, I hasten to add, because we, we managed to grow enough veggies for ourselves right. in the summertime. But, um, yeah, so I, I, perhaps they sort of took a leaf out of your book and uh, realised that... They, how history repeats, though, doesn't it? How well, I mean, the circle continually turns. Back in the, in the late 50s, I agree with the stable diet of people living here. They were all in hard-working industry. They were all in coal minings, and they used to eat a tremendous amount of potatoes. They had cooked meals every night when they'd go home from work. They had a cabbage, potatoes, carrots, runner beans in the season. So what I did was, whatever was on the plot, I got the old wooden boxes, which tomatoes just come in from Guernsey in those days. I'd fill our box with wherever they wanted, and I had about 30, 35 customers in the locality. I'd walk around these boxes. They would hand me cash. I'd hand over the box. It was a, it was a present, really, because I wasn't allowed to grow for sale. Right. But they just they just give me cash as a, as a compensation for sure. delivering. Absolutely. I only got paid yeah, for the yeah. delivery. I didn't uh, get paid for the vegetables. Yeah, totally, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I understand <laughs> completely, yeah. yeah. Uh, should, we, should we have a wander down? Yeah. Anyway, let's go and do, try do and you, set, this, set this thing up. Sorry, I'm fighting the way across this narrow area. Every inch of space on my plot. Is yeah, yeah, I see, your, <laughs> I see you're frugal, as frugal with your space as you are with everything else. <laughs> as a man after my own heart. We've not wanted no, absolutely, me. absolutely. So we found a nice little spot for your wormery anyway. Yeah, next, bit to bit rhubarb, of, next to this rhubarb cocktail. Yeah, that was, that was so. an interesting thing you and I were talking about it just now because I, I said, you know, how, how do you control your mealybug? He said, well, I've got a really neat, a really neat recipe for it. So I was saying, he said, oh, smell, smell this. Yeah, this is, so, this is, this is, this is a wonderful, this is smelly vision, smelly sound. <laughs> we smell this wonderful I've stuff. I've never seen, well, I have seen something quite as disgusting, but there was lots of fish guts and, uh, and whatnot and a, and a right. rubby dub we used to use for shark fishing but the smell is similar I've got to say well, this is wonderful. disgusting I mean, this, this is stuff which I've, if I was back in the wild west 200 years ago I could have gone around as Dr Walton's portion uh, I'm, sure I'm sure this I'm sure this would grow hair on a bald man's head do you know what I think there's a market for that now <laughs> it is I mean it's a wonderful smell you know, wonderful, wonderful reagent <laughs> so really it's just a question of chucking a load of rhubarb bulbs uh, rhubarb leaves even in a in a dustbin and just letting them ferment nicely in, yeah. in the water and what you do is uh, they take about 6 weeks to reach perfection right. it's like a good wine yeah Sure. And then you take that neat yeah. and you water over any of brassica crops, whether it be Swede, whether it be cabbage, whether it be Brussels sprouts. Right. And that smell will de- will actually run down. It'll deter the cabbage root fly in the base. Yeah. Any bugs, which, which is aphids, mealy bug on top, it'll, there's such a smell, they'll clear off somewhere else. Right, right. And it also it, it disguises the cabbage from the cabbage white butterfly. <laughs> so he's not too keen to lay his eggs on this smelly thing. He thinks no. it's gone off. So no. it does work, but you have to keep adding it every time the rain comes because right. the smell washes away. 
fresh mix, spin on, and you've got, <laughs> like, it, you've got a winner. I guess it's just as well you can wash it off, though, because I can't <laughs> imagine you'd want to eat a cabbage after it's been laced with that stuff. But you see, probably I'm going to try that at home, but I mean, so for the listeners' benefit, you know, get, get some rhubarb leaves in a, in a, in a bucket of water and uh, give it a go. It's going to be worth a try. Now, there's, there's a myth about rhubarb leaves. A lot of people say, aren't they poisonous? Yes, you don't you don't consume rhubarb leaves in the raw. They are poisonous. Right. But when they're in this brew and they rot it down, the mixture you've got left does not poison the ground, does not poison the plants. There's no ill effect on you whatsoever. Fantastic. Right. So, okay. It's a, it's a myth. Because they're poisonous in the raw state, they're not poisonous in the well-rotted state. Right, right. Don't worry about it. Okay. So, oh, well done. You've made this base. So we've got to take these. Have you got a knife on you? Um, just to split those. I've uh, got get those something sharp. In the, I've got a uh, scissors in the shed. Okay, okay. You talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Right. Got, okay, we've got this lid open. Now. So you better tell me what this is. Right, this, I better, I better this have looks to... rather complicated to me. Right, it's, well, it's, it's not so bad. It's it's quite, it's quite simple. I mean, having said that, what we what we should have done beforehand, before setting it up, is we should have soaked this block of coir. But have you got any old well rotted compost handy? You better oh, check. Yeah, this, we'll, I'm, on, I'm on an expert. We'll this. just we'll just go and get some uh, well rotted compost because it, it serves the same purpose as the uh, coir, really. Right. Um, I mean, when you uh, what was the first thing? Because I, I heard you on Radio Two several years ago now. I mean, you write for um, Saga Magazine and whatnot as well. Don't well, not the magazine. I do the I do the website. Right. Okay. I do the do the blog weekly on there on on what is actually happening live in the allotments. Right. Okay. All right. I've been doing it now for several months, and it's still they still ask me to do it. So yeah. So there must be yeah. must be reading it. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I try sure. to write it as a, a sort of humorous, floaty tale. With a bit of poetic license in there. So. Yeah, yeah. No, you've definitely got that South Walian poetic license so, away, for sure. Does, it, does this look good but, enough uh, here? This, uh, this looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this is nicely well rotted. This is the Mac so Walton sandwich stuff, this is. Right, right, OK. Well, you were telling thing. me a bit about that earlier on, that you put in kind of a layer of, uh, of your bean litter and your uh, potato uh, corms and things like that, and then you uh, put a load of horse manure over the top of it. Yeah, I, it's what I call a Mac Walton. I've been named after some famous restaurant chain there, but I wouldn't wouldn't advise you eating this. There's no such thing as a big whopper in this. I think I think it might be better though for you. Well, it might be. It might be doing you more good. <laughs> yeah. But what I actually do, I mean, on the allotment during this season, you get a lot of bulk waste, such as potato arms, raw bean material, which are too big for the composting bins. Right, right. So I put about a five-inch layer of those onto the onto this compost heap, right. which is about what six foot square. And when I got about a five-inch layer, I go off to one of my local stables and look for horses that's kept on hay. Right. Something that's been there about a year or so, so it's well rotted. Right. And I spread six to ten bags of that over the top, and then I put another five inches of green material, and then repeat the process, and the heat of the horse manure breaking down attacks this woody and this bulk waste. Yeah. And in the end, you can see you get this fabulous-looking compost bin. absolutely fabulous, I've got yeah. to say. So how old is this stuff that we're just shoveling out no, of the ground no, it's now? It's about two years old, isn't it? Is that all? Yeah. There's, there's very little bit left. Now, what I do, I use it in the ground, obviously, under all my greedy vegetables. Yeah. And I also spread it between them as a mulch. Right. So right. I have a double use. It goes yeah. in early in the year as a, as a compost, yeah. give it a base, and then I mulch it to keep the weeds at bay. Right, right. Fantastic. So if you look around the plot, you'll see it spread amongst all the, yeah. all the crops which are growing. I think the worms are going to adore that, you know. I think they're going to, I think they're going to prefer that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, this is one of the ones that just kept the handle was broken. Somebody threw it out, but I can still use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, so as far as the Jeremy Vine show is concerned, how long have you been doing that? About five years now? Just over four now. I joined, Jeremy took over from Jimmy Young that year. He started in the January. Yeah. I got the job in the March. And we've been together ever since, so the combination seems to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jeremy is, is learning all the time. He's a very, very astute character who's in four, uh, four years of gardening. He's almost as good as Percy Thrower, now. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that, so we put that card in the, in the bottom now, and this is just a stray. So if you empty okay. that into there. So is all of this in there? Yeah, all of that in there. That'll right. be great. Oh, I think the worms are going to dig that big time. Oh, it's good stuff there, isn't it? It is, that is absolutely superb. Right. So it's absolutely... Well, there's even a worm in here, look. Oh, there's you've a little, got your one little chap you have. You've got one of your own there. That's a Welsh In fact, it, it is, it is. That's are a, these that's, English ones going to mix with him? That's a beauty. Uh, I, I think don't want any trouble. <laughs> don't want to be like the England Wales football sides. No, no. I think... Amongst the worm, <laughs> I think they'll be fine. I think they're all pretty... Uh, they get on pretty, well together. Pretty, they? Well, they do. They get on very well. My man, that um, one speaks Welsh. Is that going to be a problem with the rest of communicating? No, I think... I think they should be all right. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's on his own as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah, he is. So, <laughs> so let's, hope, let's hope the English contingent have behaved themselves. Right. Uh, but it's just, I suppose it's just a question of splitting this bag open, really. Can I carry it along there? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of thousand uh, in here. Um, I'd be interested to see how you get on with this. Uh, oh, I'd be well, is it? I mean, new it, what you should get off here is lots and lots of liquid. And one of the beauties of wormy really, is that you get all the liquid off it. Right. So, um, Should I stand there on something? Yes, yeah. I was going to say, we'll put the worms in first, and we'll lift this tray off, and then we'll uh, and we'll put the put the legs on the thing. Oh, I see. Oh, blimey, there's a lot of them, isn't there? Yeah, there's quite a few, yeah. Yeah, yes, some, yes. some little big chunky worms. But I think, you know, they're probably... Um, they're certainly the same genus as that, that little wormy that you've got in here that I've already seen. So yeah, I think yeah. they'll all be perfectly happy Plenty together. thousands there. Yeah, yeah. Quite, yeah, quite, quite, quite literally thousands. I'll yeah. have to watch yeah. the local fisherman. No, 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 this is you. Well, they'll be down here to loin <laughs> some of these, yeah. So uh, is that it, though? I mean, yeah, that's it. Well, that's it, really. That. Yeah, well, what we'll do we'll is... we have to keep we'll, adding uh, to that now. Yeah, what we'll do is let's let them settle in for a couple of days. Right. Uh, we put this moisture mat on the top. This is uh, this is hemp. Right. Uh, but uh, knowing you, the way I do already, you won't want to be buying any more of those moisture mats. No. Uh, which you can do, of course. But um, you could use an old woolly jumper or an old cotton t-shirt or something oh, like right, that. So right. something that's organic before, something that you can put on the top. My wife would be happy. I'll so be empty my wardrobe. Yeah, for a bit totally, and then all these jumpers totally. I keep for the greenhouse will land up in my wormy. They'll be in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, as long as there's something on the top, and that just encourages the worms to work right in right. under that uh, that tray. But then I'd leave them settling for a couple of days but then you can start adding bring a little bit of waste from home you know some of your oh, peelings right, and things right. like that so keep adding, that to, adding it, to it and they'll love strawberries and carrot tops and all that kind of stuff oh, especially really um strawberries and, uh, what, real ones yeah yeah real, yeah, real ones yeah, yeah. feed them on my strawberries they're a bit uh, <laughs> fancy bullies worms <laughs> should we uh, i'll do what we'll do we'll just uh, we'll put the legs on and uh, and then we'll see how we go right so, so that's the legs on anyway. So, right. so quite literally, these guys are going to settle in now in a couple of days. Right. And when you've got up to this, the level here where the next tray sits on, yeah. um, you can quite literally put your next tray on. So as long as this waste is touching the bottom of the next oh, tray. Oh, they'll come up through there, will they? will come up through. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. So they'll keep spreading up through the Absolutely. Trays. Yeah, and it just means that you're able to harvest the bottom tray much more easily than, right. uh, than you would if they're all, you know, the whole system was in one, uh, one sort of fixed unit. So, again, though, then, so what will happen is you'll have, at the bottom of liquid... Yeah. Plus in this lower tree, all the all the very fine compost that falls through. Yeah, it? What, yeah. What will happen is because these guys are going to work this. I mean, right. there's not that much in here now, so they're not going to work that that uh, that too much to break that down anymore. Right. Um, so what you could do, I mean, almost in this situation, because they've already there's some fantastic compost in there, is you can quite literally scrape a little bit off the top and add it to a second tray now, and then right. the worms will come up into that because you oh, could right. start feeding into that tray. Okay. So what you're doing is just encouraging the worms to come up through the trays, through the perforations right. in the bottom of the trays. So does it? Ever running a life or anything at any time? Or no, you? no, it, it's self-perpetuating, so they'll keep on breeding. I mean, these guys live for well, two and a half years. But so what happens at the end? You'll you'll 
bring the bottom tray up or something, will you? Yeah, so when you've got your three trays working, if you bring this bottom tray to the, to top. the top, right, and then if you expose it to uh, daylight like this and just scratch that back a little bit there, so it's something that takes three seconds every 20 minutes for a couple of hours while you're right. moving around here, scratch it back, and literally within uh, 20 minutes, all those worms in there will have wiggled their way down through into that layer below. Oh, right. So you can take that out, do exactly the same thing again, and then you can start adding to that tray then. So, repeating, so what do I, I put on top or underneath every time? So right. from the bottom tray comes to the top, and then you can just leave it on the top and start adding to it oh, okay. again. Right. So quite literally, the trays are moving around in rotation. It's like keeping uh, bees, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you didn't smoke these suckers out there before you... <laughs> no, they don't sting you with no, they, 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 no, they don't. No, they, do. they don't bite these. They are no, quite they tame. They don't bite the dog. They are quite tame. Yeah, no, they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool, right? So uh, what, what you could do, I mean, the tap... Because your liquid would be great for tomatoes and whatnot. Oh, right. Off here, but you could either... Um, I mean, if you're like me, I tend to leave the tap open and leave a container underneath because I forget to drip. drain them off. Right, right. Yeah, let it drip, and then you can just um, dilute it down about 10 to 1 and water it out onto us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or you could just empty it straight into your water butts here, and uh, and then, you know, you don't have you to worry about dilution, and it's free straight oh, out right. of there. Yeah, so... Oh, brilliant. Cool. So yeah, this is new. This is yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's something... Say I'm, something. I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> So the other two spares now, and do... Uh... Yeah, let's do that. I've, I've, I've learned a great deal coming here today. <laughs> so it's a job uh, for tomorrow. I've got to go and find a pavement stone to go into that and make more solid. Yeah, yeah. my pamphlet. Yeah. yeah. And every now and again, give these give these worms a treat. That, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, that's, that's, that, the full, that's the full plan. That's about the, that's about the scale of it. And what you can always do is, if you do... Um, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you won't run into any difficulties, but if right. you do, you can always give us a ring. So this and, could uh, this make even bigger pumpkins for me now, then? Because, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm pretty... I'm looking... I, for, I usually feed them on beer, so will this right. worm... I'm sure... Worm stuff give them a better going to be better than beer. Right. So, uh, not so much you have to, fun. Say, you have to let us know how you go. No, no. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to taste that stuff either. It's not good. You put it on there. No, it's not the same. No, what a combination! I got worm water yeah. and rhubarb water next to one another. Yeah, yeah. I can kill with the pest and feed them. I mean, feed the a, I mean when, I, when I sort of when we look at this setting, it's the most amazing setting now. We've got kind of drifts of rain coming across, but we are on the sloping hillside, sort of southwest facing, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, and we're quite literally in in the in the Ronda Valley. You've got you know these amazing. Uh, it's an amazing landscape this gently sloping well that's contradiction terms I suppose gently sloping steep landscape <laughs> but you said I mean years ago all that area over there was uh, was black yeah that was that was all the all the slagger came out of the bottom of the pits obviously when they were taking the coal out there was lots of rubbish yeah. they had to get rid of the rubbish and it was the cheap way was just to make mountains out of it yeah, yeah. so those mountains you see in the distance were hills originally and they've now just Mounted in the mountains of um, slag have come out of these. Right. And over the years, in February, it's all been reclaimed. And you look around, you know, we have a beautiful array of different trees. Right. And the whole mountainside is a very, very lush green. Right, right. So you could be in some virgin land now. It never been scarred by coal mining. It is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and, of course, you've seen all those changes because yes. you've been here working this, these allotments for many, many years. Yeah, I came in and walked through that gate in 1950 as a four-year-old. Right. Took my first plot in 1957 as an 11-year-old. And I'm still on the same allotment that I was then. So, that's, yeah, that's man. Amazing. Man, boy, and old man. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you, you've just bought a book out, haven't you, as well? Uh, April, you said it was published. Yeah, it came out on April the 2nd, and it's my life on uh, hillside allotments, which right. really sums up this place really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's how the allotments, it's not an autobiography as such, it's a biography of how this allotment has been the central focus of my life through all those years. Right. I always kept me sane, I always been my stress counsellor, yeah. it's given me a suntan, it's given me gym, it's given me everything I want. And then you got, I must, I've got to say, you got a good time. Well, I mean, <laughs> you look at the spot here, it's a wonderful suntan. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I spend 
several hours of every single day of the week on this allotment. It's a great place to be, not only for work and growing the vegetables, but for social side as well. Yeah. And yeah. you have the added advantage, you, you can fill your carrier bags with some fresh vegetables, take them home, and uh, several hours later, they can be sitting at your dining room table eating what you've produced. Yeah, you no. can't get any fresh on that. There's not an air mile on any of this vegetable I eat in my house. There's not an air mile. Right. And I am about 80% self-sufficient throughout the whole year, not just in the summer months. Right. I, I freeze my excesses. I store my potatoes. I store my onions. I grow lots of winter veg. So for ten and a half months of the year, I can be feeding something so off this allotment. Yeah, that yeah, is, so that's quite an And that's what makes it very, very attractive, is that you... I don't have to contribute to these supermarket profits. No, no, fair play. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great sense. And that all comes from a, a ten-perch plot. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, 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 as you can see yourself, I don't believe in wasting an inch of space. No, no, it's, uh, you couldn't... You'd have a job cramming anything into this now, I think. It's, uh, that, that really plants, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah superb. Yeah. Again, idea. that's all down to the fertility of the soil. If the soil is good... You can grow more because you, you're, you're not you're not depleting it. It does look rich. And fair compost play. making has always been a thing I'm very very fervent about, and I, I do I make a lot of compost, and that going back into the soil does help. I think I'm organic. I had no artificial fertilizers at all. Yeah. everything I grown is grown naturally. Yeah. and again, it's healthy. And if it's grown healthy, it, it can get over attacks of pests, and also will encourage all the gardener's friends and all the predators. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, most of the stuff you can see. With the exception of those few cabbage where the mealy bug took over. It does look gorgeous. You know, looking, you've got these, really these well. lovely rows of you know, beetroot and parsnips and carrot and potatoes and peas and sweet corn. I mean, they're just a whole plethora of veg. It does look amazing. And, uh, and it's kind of making my mouth water, really, so I think I'm going to have to tuck in some of your radishes in a minute. <laughs> Again, but, come, uh, back, come back in about two weeks' time, yeah, yeah. and you can be feeding... You've already feasted on the strawberries. Yeah, no, they were. No, they're beautiful as well, yeah. But just I mean, the, the rest of the stuff is all coming along quite nicely. I mean, Sunday lunch, we had fresh new potatoes from here, we had a nice cabbage from here, we had broad beans, and it was fantastic. And yeah. within a matter of another week, I'll be pulling carrots, and then you can see then the rest of the stuff will come along. I'm, I'm already pulling my winter onions. What Right, we've managed to get ourselves in the greenhouse, at least get some protection. I'm not sure this little recording device is waterproof. <laughs> you just, we uh, we've now got the accompaniment of some nice Welsh rain falling on this plastic Yeah, roof. yeah, that's very, it's almost like camping, isn't it? I had to buy that, believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I can't, I don't believe you. But what's amazing, because Amazon, you know, for instance, they, they sold, um, like your, your book's been particularly popular, hasn't it? Yes. Um, and I think they said something like eight out of ten of their best-selling books last year about growing vegetables. So there's a real movement, you know, folks are really getting into it now. So families are really, you know, they've realised that growing your own veggies is so much better for you in, in a whole load of different uh, in different ways than just simply going down to the supermarket and buying some of their, you know, horrible, far too perfect, ugly vegetables, you know. So if you grow your own stuff and you've got, I mean, how many allotments are on this site all told? There's 42 of original plots. There's 25 under full cultivation now, and they're looking good. Right. The top plots many years ago, back in the late 60s, went back to nature because there was no demand. Like, I couldn't manage more than 10. Right. When I got to 10, I was exhausted, so <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't manage the top as well. Yeah, yeah. They've gone back. Several of them now, and we got some chicken farmers up in house, which is handy because a pound of beans buys you a dozen eggs, so there's a good yeah, exchange right there. Good, yeah, and yeah. one corner, we've allowed to go back to trees and nature, which is great because we can get our pea sticks from there. Yeah. The birds can nest there, and we, we have a couple of foxes there, which keep the rabbits at bay. Yeah, so that's yeah. a little nature reserve, and we're quite happy to be that there. The council quite happy if it'll be there they don't charge us for that bit of land and it's right. a, a nice little nature reserve well protected yeah so yeah. We, uh, in total now there's probably about 40 plots either under cultivation or farming in ways that we've got uh, chickens on them right, which is right. great because again that gives us the uh, chicken manure which 
well rotted over the year 18 months it's fantastic stuff for the soil yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. well I suppose uh, it's, I mean, it's been a real pleasure meeting you it's been great to have this chat it's amazing really to think that I'm chatting to a bloke that I've listened to for, for many years <laughs> on, on a Friday when I get a chance to, to listen to the show but uh, yeah superb and I, I'm, I mean, I'm interested I'll be, will be interested to see how you get on with your wormery right I'll have a study in those notes this evening and I shall be watching that very carefully over the next few weeks we'll definitely keep in touch ok great yeah. and I'm looking forward to this it's a new experiment another yeah, first definitely yeah. cheers Terry thanks okay. Fine, thanks. Bulls, Phil. Well, yes, we've had a bit of a moment this morning. Phone call first thing this morning, and my landlady down at the farm down at Abergavenny said that the cattle had got out. She actually said they'd been out all night and all on the road and everything, so dashed down there, and uh, they were all back in the field that Chris had, had got them back in. But our neighbour, Mary, who's retired to the house on the, on the edge of the farm, said that she'd gone out to put her bin bags out and thought there'd been a road accident in her Leylandy hedge at sort of either end of her gatepost. But I don't think there'd been a road accident. Bulls have very itchy heads, and Leylandys are very good for itching bulls' heads. <laughs> and he'd helped himself, <laughs> and this Leylandy was not very well at all. Uh, another use for Leylandi. Yeah, what an excellent way of getting rid of it all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly pruned it. Yeah, <laughs> it pushed yeah. half of it off. <laughs> a big old thing's bulls. So next week we've got extracts from Terry Walton's book coming up We'll catch up with another week on the farm. And there's lots of gardening going on this week at Wigglers, so we'll hear a bit more about that. So bye from me, Heather, at Wiggly Wigglers. That's bye from me, Richard. That's bye from me, Farmer Phil. But what about Monty's Wormcast? Next week? There's no time, Phil. If you want to subscribe, go to iTunes. If you just clicked on this, listen to the show for once. All you need to do is go to iTunes, click on subscribe... And we'll arrive every single week without fail on your laptop or your computer. Brace Don't yourself. Miss it. 